because Antarctica is so very special, it's so very inhospitable, it's so damn cold, it would be so expensive to really engage in any form of exploitative uh, activity in Antarctica. Hello and welcome to The Conversation Podcast. I'm Tamsin Peach and today we're going down south to the icy continent that is 42% Australian territory, Antarctica. Antarctica is governed by a treaty system originally signed in 1959 that ensures the landmass is used for peaceful and cooperative scientific research. But as countries begin to eye off Antarctica's wealth of natural resources, Will this be enough to stop territorial disputes in the region? Nick Rowley is an adjunct professor at Sydney University and he's working on the democratisation of decision-making in Antarctica. He says Antarctica will only become more important in the coming years as the climate changes. The very reason why there are in the summer around about 4,000 scientists at those research bases is because it is also the frontier of human knowledge about those dynamics. Anybody who says this is what's happening in Antarctica, this is what's happening to the ice shelves, this is what's happening because of climate change, this is what's happening to krill and therefore, uh, it's not the way to think about it. It, 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 it is that that scientific analysis needs to continue so that human understanding can, can continue and understanding about Antarctica is not going to be just about understanding what happens at this rather large inhospitable continent yeah. to the south. Those dynamics potentially can have enormous effects, not least of which in terms of, say, sea level rise. The Antarctic Treaty originally had 12 signatories, seven of which, including Australia, have claims to territory in Antarctica. There are now 28 signatory countries, and scientists of all nationalities are able to conduct research all over the continent. The treaty supports international cooperation in scientific research, and it prohibits resource extraction and military action. It specifically requires that Antarctica, quote, be used for peaceful purposes only. It's unique in sort of putting questions of sovereignty and therefore power and therefore real authority to one side mm. in the interests of both protecting the continent but also managing the continent in the interests mm. of science. Mm. And that's fantastic. Mm. I mean, that's fantastic. One could argue that's pretty easy to do in a place where people, you've never had long-term human habitation. Mm. Right? Why? Because if you don't wear a bloody decent coat and a woolly hat, mm. you'll be dead within 20 minutes. Mm. Okay? So you could say, in one sense, that it's, it's easier to do over Antarctica, certainly compared to the Arctic, where there are a lot of human settlement and existing cultures and, and long-standing um, arrangements in terms of human control over pieces of land. But I suppose the question really is, because the Antarctic Treaty has worked so well over the last 50 years or so, will those rules actually be adequate when the dynamics intensify, mm. when the, the dynamics in terms of state interest intensify, mm. and when the dynamics in terms of understanding the impacts of what's going on in terms of changes to natural systems intensify? With growing interest in the region from nations such as China, Russia and India, there are concerns that Australia's sovereign claim to 42% of Antarctic territory is likely to come under threat. But there's a way we can secure this valuable stake, by investing in scientific research on the continent. 
currently, although all sovereign claims under the Antarctic Treaty have been in a, in a, in a rather wonderful way put aside, mm. put aside, and yet if you look at the map, um, Australia actually has a claim over 42% of the continent, and that is significant. And it can make claims over 42% of the continent and spend ever less in terms of its scientific activity and ever less in, in terms of uh, the, the, the sort of tangible effort that it puts into making that claim real. As it is, uh, the Australian government has announced uh, prior to the last federal budget um, something that didn't receive terribly much publicity but, but probably pretty relevant to Hobart um, is actually going to fund the building of a new icebreaker. Now, that's not massive news, but when anybody who is a negotiator or a diplomat for Chile or the UK or Russia or, or anywhere else goes, well, is Australia really interested in what's going on down there? Is it really investing money in terms of trying to have more scientists doing good work in terms of understanding the important environmental dynamics down there? And the answer is, well, they've just actually announced, notwithstanding that, a pretty fierce federal budget where most things were cut back, it's actually announced that it's going to be investing more in a new piece of pretty important infrastructure. That, I think, sends quite a powerful signal. The Earth's coldest continent is resource-rich, but current protocols governing it ban mining on any of its territories. It's debatable whether these restrictions will ever be lifted, but Nick says there's at least one country that is setting itself, just in case. China unequivocally has a very, very deep interest in, in Antarctica. It's spending around about over 50 million US dollars a year on uh, scientific outreach there. And it really isn't the question of trying to read the runes of what uh, is, is occurring in terms of Chinese uh, positioning. They're very overt about the need to have a presence in Antarctica because of the resources that might well be wow. available in, in over the next century or so. That's a really long game. Uh, China's good at playing long games. Mm. You know, one really only need look at uh, what uh, the President of China has been saying about mm. the need to invest in this and anybody can do a bit of click work on Google Images and just do uh, Chinese science base Antarctica. Earlier this year, China unveiled its fourth research base in Antarctica, Taishan, complete with its own aircraft runway. And other countries are also investing heavily in infrastructure on the frozen continent. But Antarctica is fast becoming a destination for more than just scientists. People talk about the growth of tourism in Antarctica. You have around about 25,000 people a year who hop on a plane or get on a boat or walk around and have a look at a, an Adelaide penguin and that's a lot more than there used to be but um, it's under half the number of people that go through the doors of Disneyland every year so it's, it's, it's growing, it's significant, it certainly needs to be managed effectively but uh, it's still pretty niche although you know if you're sitting on a Qantas flight from Sydney down to, to Melbourne as, as I have to a fair bit um, last time I looked, there were at least three advertisements advertising Antarctic holidays. Yeah, so, you know, it is still seen as that sort of, wow, how a frontier. And indeed, uh, and I, I, with my um, highly adept iPhone 5, I, I actually took a picture of a, 
really rather homespun looking sign at Melbourne Airport that said Antarctic flights boarding gate 23 yeah. and it wasn't actually even on the on the normal computerized information board it was simply propped up next to a rubbish bin Australia might sometimes seem a bit indifferent towards our southernmost territory but Nick says we shouldn't underestimate its strategic importance in the future well, I'd just simply go back to the truth. I mean, you know, we, we lay claim to 42% of a continent, uh, which is enormous in size, and likely to become strategically more important as time passes. I can't see that interest in this place will become ever less. I can't see us deciding to talk over a podcast in five years' time and the figures in relation to tourism have gone down and the number of scientists that actually want to get access to research stations have gone down and China has closed three of its research bases. I see the whole, all the trends are in a different direction and my general read of that is that as those intensify, um, the Antarctic Treaty certainly needs to be defended in terms of how it operates, but we must be very wary that um, our broader public and global interests are protected uh, rather than vested and individual state interests. Over the next few years, the treaties and rules that govern Antarctica will also come under pressure. It's pretty dangerous to think that just because it's worked up until now, it will prove adequate over the coming yeah. 50 to 100 years or so. And I think that when you have the real interests applying themselves, um, those rules might well not be as effective as we'd maybe like them to be. Nick foresees a tense future for governance in Antarctica. With the world's natural resources dwindling, Antarctica, the last unexplored frontier, will seem ripe for economic exploitation. And when governments move to stake their claims, conflict between nations seems inevitable. And it may not be limited to diplomatic tiffs. I mean, I'm, I'm, I suppose I've kind of worked in my career quite close to the centre of power and one of the, the rather sort of straightforward homespun quotes is from Harold Macmillan, the former Prime Minister of uh, the United Kingdom, in which he simply said in his rather Tory patronising way, events de boy, events. And all I would say is looking at Antarctica, potentially events, and when events come to play, I think that I'm talking in almost in euphemistic terms, for which I apologise, but when those events come to play, the notion that it is the diplomats who are operating within the treaty system who will be those, who, those very people who within those processes can resolve those problems or respond to those events, I think is naive. There'll be questions in relation to resources, there'll be questions in terms of how to get access to resources in the sea, etc. And it will be led by, not by negotiators working for environment ministers, it will be led by people who are, who are slightly more central to, uh, to, to government.